wheels on the bus going round, damn round. Got the wheels on the bus going round, damn round. Uh, ooh, yeah, wheels going round, damn round, yeah. And we rolling, rolling, rolling through your town, yeah. Hey, running, 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 running round, yeah. Running, 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 running round, running, 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 running round, yeah. And welcome, listeners, to another mobilizing episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. Yeah, heard oh, here. We had a chorus. We did, we did. <laughs> heard here in Richmond on WRIR LP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. Yay. How's it going? I'm, you know. I'm here. I ran up the stairs, so I'm out of breath, but I'm good. How's your Black History Year going? You know Black History Year. It's just for all of our new listeners that are picking up this week. Blackface Governor stole my uh, Black History Month last year. And so starting like February 1st, we're now going to just be under observation of Black History Year. All year, 2020. If you don't like it, shut the hell up. I don't care. Okay? Great. <laughs> Black History Year. Year. Yes. It's going great. It's good. going great. Excellent. I'm happy to hear that. Yes. Wow. So you mentioned... <laughs> <laughs> that we're that we're mobilized today. Yes, we're mobilized. We got a transportation episode. Hey, hey, finally, yeah. We're I'm moving excited. to Richmond. We're moving to Richmond. We are. So we have quite a panel of guests here. Like, yes, we like full. It's like no, full house are. in here. It is everywhere you look. Oh, that's is that the right is that the right uh theme song? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad. You know, I didn't watch a lot of white TV. I don't know. I know. <laughs> but you, I was a guest. Good that guess. Was a, that was a stretch. Good guess, my friend. It was a reach. <laughs> <laughs> Let's welcome everybody, and we can go around. We'll start over here at the end and introduce yourself and yes. what you do, why you're here. Okay. Um, my name is Adam Lockett. I am on the GRTC Transit Advisory Group, also called TAG. I am now the vice chair of the group. Um, this is my second year of being in the group, and I'm here because of someone else at the other end of the table who you'll hear from Yay. in a couple moments. Thank you. Yes. Hi, I'm Julie Tim. I'm the new chief executive officer of GRTC. I've been with the company now for four months. Been in the transportation industry, mobility for about 25 years, originally from Virginia, so this is a welcome home for me. All right. Welcome. Welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Carrie Rose Pace, Director of Communications for GRTC. I have been with the company since 2015, yeah. so I've seen a lot of change and really excited about where we're headed next. And who is this, you know, who's, who's return guest? We really got to get that green coat for our repeats, I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to get my jacket. Because at this point, it's got to be like five times. I think you're like think five I'm, times right now. This may be number five. What's wow. up? I've if been here for a few roundups, a little bit of queer stuff, and now I'm back. Yes. I was a little sad disappointed you weren't here last week, actually. Um, I was the mastermind behind last week. I know, he was, I, I have know, to say. But you weren't here. So Melanin is a queen, and I stand. Um, but first, my name is Wyatt Gordon, and I do land use and transportation for Virginia Conservation Network. I also write for Greater Greater Washington. I'm their Virginia correspondent covering everything transit and transportation across the Commonwealth. And I am so happy to be here and talk about transit. Yay! So um, you would say that you're always on the go, right? Mm -hmm. uh. I am way too busy, and <laughs> I have set out I'm going to be 30 this month. Um, Ooh, dirty 30. Uh, this Black History Year this is really month? special to Ooh. me. Yes. <laughs> it better be special to you, <laughs> and yeah, so I moved back to Richmond about a year ago. Uh, I was born and raised here, and then I lived everywhere else for a decade. When I moved back, I wanted to kind of get to know my city because I'm a suburban kid. I grew up in Chesterfield, much to my own chagrin. <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> I know we're both refugees. It's true. Um, I cannot. <laughs> and so when I moved back, there was a large part of Richmond that I just had never really gotten to explore. So one of the ways that I wanted to do that was via transit. And so I started this series with RVA Mag called GRTC Connects. And it's a really 
fun series to do and every month I've been riding one bus line on GRTC from end to end and looking at two different neighborhoods on opposite ends of that route and then kind of trying to find a theme about something bigger going on in Richmond that um, these two neighborhoods are kind of like a small microcosm for. I have had some really crazy adventures on GRTC. Some of them where the bus did not come. Mm -hmm. Some of them the bus came right on time. Some of them people gave me free cards. Mm -hmm. Some of them I couldn't get to take my card. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've seen a lot of transit, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I am really excited for where we're going as a region based on everything that I've been experiencing this past year. Thank you, Wyatt. That segues me into asking everybody else, why transit? Like, yeah. why did you guys make that your work? Um, I guess I'll start because it's I don't work for the GRTC. Right. Like my other two. Yet. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, I know that, love. I can tell he's headed into transit. I love Boston. Oh, oh my goodness. Anyway, after my blushes go away, I um, I go <laughs> to okay, VCU. okay. Nobody can see you. <laughs> That's so true. I just let everyone know that my face is red. Um, I go to VCU. Um, I am in the art school. That's what brought me here. I grew up outside of Philadelphia, but I grew up on a regional rail line. I've always been interested in buses and trains. And honestly, the best part of going to the city was taking the subway to do things, mm-hmm. taking the train, being trusted at a young age, even before I could drive, to do those sorts of things on my own. And it just has been so enriching in my life. But when I moved to Richmond, I came to Richmond on a very complicated day. Um, I moved to Virginia on the same day as the Unite the Right rally Ooh, um, in Charlottesville. Welcome to the Commonwealth. Yes, I was coming down 95. <laughs> Coming down 95, um, really excited to start my higher education journey, mm. and I just intersected the Commonwealth at a very interesting time, and mm. the conversation has been hot, and it's been I've been involved in it since um, I moved here. I think it's so, so important. And then throughout my first year of college, I watched the Pulse stations come out of the ground. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on until... <laughs> I always credit my mom for this. She's very nosy about construction. She <laughs> loves like reading all that kind of stuff, knowing what the happenings is, what the plans are, mm-hmm. what it's going to look like. So I started following the pulse. I used to use you know the old six. I always took the 16 a couple of times, too. The 6 used to be my ride. Yes, yes. The 6 was, well, the 6 has a facelift now, but uh, I just have been involved. I was working at a nonpartisan um, nonprofit downtown called Virginia 21. Um, Not the redistricting people, a different organization. Mm -hmm. That's 2021, Uh, yeah. That's correct. Thank you. Not everybody uh, catches that. And the, um, I guess my manager or my boss at the time was like, you should do the tags. I kept, I took the 14 to work every day. And I signed up. I signed up the form. I got another letter. And. And the administrative assistant, Sharonda Hill, was like, we'll see you in October. And I was nervous. But ever since, I've been involved in the GRTC. I'm a design student. I think that good design is not a luxury, that good design is a public good. And that's kind of where I come into transit stuff. Well, what about you, Julie? <laughs> well, I really wasn't into transit when I first started my career. I'm, I'm going to be – I'm not – 30 anymore. You can't see my gray hair, but I, I'm getting a lot of it. I'm, I'll be 50 in two months. So I'm pretty Congratulations. excited. Congratulations. I know. Woo. I love being almost 50. Um, I'm going to be loving being 50 even more. I always wanted to save the world. That's what I was going to do. I was going to be a biologist. I went to school for it. Lots of things happened. But in the meantime, my first job when I was doing my career, I had to get an internship to pay my bills. Uh-huh. Uh, when I got that internship, the first job was with the Air Force doing contract employment. And we had a bed down of a Air Force, uh, some jets in Los Vegas. And there was a part of it where you had to do an EIS, an environmental impact statement. And there were some possible impacts to some environmental justice communities. Those were minority and low-income communities around the base. And the environmental impact statement was there to help protect them and give a voice to the community there. And when I got into that, 25 years ago, I was sold. It's like, I can save the world this way. And Ooh. and slowly I moved from the Air Force into highway, into freight, into high-speed rail. About eight years ago is when I transitioned fully into just dedicating to transit and really uh, built my career around this passion that mobility is the core of what creates strong communities. And that's where I've built my career. I believe that communities really are the essence of the vibrancy and the connections that we have as people. And too often people go from the inside of their garage to the inside of the garage where they work. Mm-hmm. They're not connecting. And without those connections, those connections of people to education, to housing, to employment, our society breaks down and our prosperity breaks down. And transit is one way to build that back up. And so that's a passion that I really believe in is why I'm still with transit now. 
Um, for me, Carrie, I also, like Julie, have a science background. I'm a meteorologist, and I did broadcast meteorology. I do remember that, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember those days. That was wonderful. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and I did it for a decade. And then in 2015, the Pulse Project was really getting underway, and GRTC recruited me to be their PR spokesperson and I came in at a really controversial time in the project Mm -hmm. but I think a really pivotal moment and for me as a meteorologist with a background in climate science public transportation is one of the best ways that you can make a difference with your with your footprint and how on a daily basis you either add to climate change or mitigate it Mm. and I'm very interested in the adaptation and mitigation piece yeah I'll jump onto that and say like in my current role I am in a brand new role with Virginia Conservation Network we have had policy managers doing land water climate and energy for a long time and land use and transportation is a brand new area because people are starting to realize if we don't change the way in which we live and the way in which we get around we have no chance of overcoming climate change Just last night, I was watching a documentary on VPM, and they were talking about for every gallon of gas someone drives, you're dropping five pounds of carbon into the atmosphere. And Mm -hmm. that, I think, can be hard for people to grasp when you think of carbon as this abstract thing that you know from chemistry class. But when you think of what the most pure form of carbon is, it's it's coal. So if you think of like charcoal and every time you drive your car and use one gallon of gas, you're dropping five pounds of charcoal Mm. into the water, into the air, into your lungs. It's scary. And I think public transportation is a really wonderful thing because like Julie was hitting on, it's mobility, it's freedom. How many times have people been stuck trying to find parking or circling the block or... (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Here is a prime example. This this area is a prime example of that, you know. Yeah, and if you want to go somewhere on Broad Street now, like my office is down in Monroe Ward and when I need to go down here, Broad Street, Scott's Edition, downtown, I can just walk out to the Pulse and I can ride the Pulse and I know that I don't have to worry about where I'm going to park, how long I'm going to park, how much I'm going to drink, and that doing is doing your little brewery late night service. <laughs> that is pure freedom to know I can have three beers, four beers, a cider. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Tag looks. He he's taking the the whole tour. It's okay. my birthday month, so okay. Speaking of the pulse, you came in kind of the tail end of things. I did. The pulse has been um, underway for probably a little over a year when I. I started back in September. So it's been it's been transformative. Honestly, the pulse and what's happened in Richmond over the past year is a key factor in my deciding to come to Richmond and come back to Virginia. Mm. I came from Nashville just the past three years. I was in Nashville. We did a rebranding there. There was a major referendum, really a transformation of a hundred people a day moving in that area, the number of cranes they have in the skyline are, it's just, it's insane. It's truly insane. And the traffic they have there uh, is, if you ever pull up during a weekday that Google Maps with the traffic on it and you look up Nashville, it's all red. It's just insane, Mm. the traffic there. And there was so much that I could do there and so much that my CEO was doing there, that the mayors were doing there, that there's so much growth and so much vibrancy. When the position came up here, and I I looked at it, I'm like, well, do I really want to leave Nashville? Virginia's home. I have family here. I grew up here. Um, do I really want to leave Nashville? And I started looking at what was being done, mm-hmm. the growth rate here. A lot of the history here and a lot of the healing that's still in progress here and that the transformation that can take hold around that with the economic development in downtown Richmond and how that really is a priority for a lot of the people who live and work and go to school here. Seeing the, the transformation, the conversation around mobility and how the pulse itself has changed people's attitudes towards transit and seeing that expand out into the region so that people aren't just talking about taking the bus. They're really looking at how to connect the communities and how to connect the region. I wanted to be a part of that. It's exciting. And the pulse, I believe, is a major part of that transformation here. I think that's a great place to kind of move into talking about growth, where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Just like you're saying, we're in the middle of huge transition, you know, with public transit in Richmond. How do we compare as a city to other cities in Virginia? Well, there's a, I guess we can go to hard numbers, but I worked in Hampton Roads Transit Mm -hmm. for about four years before I went to Nashville. We're smaller than them. uh, Seven, five. 
Yeah. <laughs> Drag her up. Uh, actually, I, was, I lived there when they were still 804. So they were oh, 804. gosh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm showing my gray again. No, so they have a, a different governance structure. And then you have, if you go up to Northern Virginia, of course, with the metropolitan there, and it's so yeah. big. We don't really compare to either of them, the way they're governed, the way they're set up, the way they look at the region. Mm -hmm. They're very different. If you go to one city, you've gone to and looked at their transit system. You, the system here, the governance, how we apply transit to the region is very unique mm -hmm. to Richmond. We have about 42 routes here. We are with the pulse and the redesign. We're uh, quickly approaching 10 million rides a year, which is pretty Ooh. awesome. Yeah, that's and impressive. That's a big increase. Mm -hmm. we, were, we were in 2018 going to 19, one of the first transit systems in the country to reverse that decline trend mm -hmm. that had been happening for years and years. And now Richmond is the model for the other transit systems in Virginia to redesign how they provide service for the communities that they serve. And each solution is going to be unique because, as Julie said, each region is different. But Richmond and Blacksburg are the only two cities that have been seeing an increase in ridership. But because of our combined increase, now the Commonwealth is putting up a stat in the United States that has increasing transit ridership, which is is unique. It is. It, it, across the country, the transit agencies have had this dialogue about what to do about the decline of transit use as gas prices go down. People By about like a quarter in the last five years on average. Oh, well, yeah. People revert to using the cars. We don't treat people who use transit very well. And we don't invest in it. It's a it's a second class system. Can you say that best. again? Mm -hmm. We don't treat people who take transit very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we treat transit like welfare in America. We really do. Mm -hmm. And it is not welfare. It is such a vital asset. I mean, I I love what Julie was saying about how mobility is the lifeblood of communities. Because mm -hmm. if you can't get to school, if you can't get to work, if you can't pick up your kids in a reliable manner, then you, you can't really live. You're going to get fired. You're not going to be able to take the night classes you need to get a promotion. And you're not going to have child care. No. And that's part of the pulse is showing uh, people a different way that transit can provide for the community. We have a long way to go here in Richmond. I'm not saying it's the, the, the we've gotten there. Right. I've certainly been on the receiving end of the bus not showing up for over an hour late at night. I've been on the receiving end of being on uh, <laughs> the side of the street when it rains and my boots are filled with water when I've been taking transit. Mm -hmm. We can do better and we have a plan to do better. But with the pulse, we can. Sh you, you see right there when you make an investment in the transit system and you make an investment in the community, it shows in people investing, choosing to take transit and choosing to ride. And you start seeing that growth of more people riding it, the more funding we can get from the state and federal government and the more investment we can put back in to get more people connected to education and housing, to get them connected to their homes. And I will say too, with my experience with SEPTA, which is the GRTC of Philadelphia essentially, I moved to Virginia, we change over to clock face um, arrival times on our buses, and then I come home for winter break and I see all of the schedules. I know that that idea of clock face arrival times isn't brand new, it's a it's a concept, but... Could you it, explain that for people? Yes. yes. Clock face arrival times would be... For me, you, specifically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you probably know what it is, but it has like a, a funny name to it. So the five, for example, comes every 15 minutes. You don't have to remember a schedule where it comes every 23, then another okay, 21. That's great. So every 15, our blue ones are 30, greenish, blue is 60, and obviously the pulse every 10 minutes or so. And Philadelphia, like, I can't say that they looked right at Richmond like we're taking that, but they fall in line too. Like, we're doing what other bigger cities are also trying to do to make transit stop going down and increase again. Yeah, if you want people to use transit, you want people to keep using transit when they have a choice not to, you have to make it reasonable. Um, if you're if you're standing there waiting for a bus and you have uh, an accident on the road or you have an operator that's sick or for whatever reason that bus doesn't show up, but the buses are scheduled once every hour, you have to wait for another hour. And if you're dependent upon that bus to go to work, if you're dependent upon that job for your school, if your education spent on it, if you miss that next class, you can get kicked out of the program. You're no longer eligible to be a nurse. You no longer have your job. You, you lose your house. When you treat people like that, the second they have the money, the second they have the resources to not use transit, they're getting the hell out. Excuse me. Am I allowed to say that? Girl. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm an FCC violation walking in here. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You are fine. <laughs> so, so really, we have, to, we have to start treating transit not like it's a bus, but really treating transit like it's a part of the community and something to be proud of and something to invest in. I think that's part of the, the mission that I have with GRTC and the staff and talking to the staff is that we have a family internally but also externally. And let's put that investment 
back into our communities. And while we're talking about investment, so Richmond has done a lot of really exciting things, specifically for the past two years. Carrie, please correct me because I know you're going to know, but it's 17% growth of ridership Mm -hmm. both years. Right. Right. So we had 17% from June of 2018 going into spring of 2019. And then when you kept tracking it just beyond that full year, I think it was 24% was the total overall increase. So it just kept going up. We've, We've about stabilized. We're still getting some small increases month over month, which is excellent. It shows that we're continuing to make transit more useful for more people. So Richmond is like a wunderkind. Like we are doing something really amazing <laughs> here. You. There you go. I know. Half German, it's going to show. You like a tissue? <laughs> So we've been doing some really amazing things and we are really spreading this this excitement around transit is contagious. I was just down in Norfolk yesterday and they're doing a complete multimodal redesign uh-huh. based off of the success in Richmond. The city of Norfolk saw what we were doing with the Pulse, saw what we were doing with the route redesign and actually hired away the person who was behind that in Richmond. So now she's down in Norfolk and she's the director of transportation yep. and she is kind of doing this as a way to show how Hampton Roads also can change um, and they're hoping to copy our growth so that's a huge compliment to Richmond but we also have to think that we are still the worst we're tied in last place with Memphis for the worst per capita funding for transit huh. in the US when you think about that yeah we're doing really amazing things with shoestrings and bubblegum but we need more resources if we're going to think about how we provide the security for a family to say I'm going to go from being a two car household or maybe a three car household if you have kids that drive down to a one car household we need it to be reliable and we need it to be frequent I mean studies show that people if you don't know a bus is coming every 15 minutes you're really hesitant to switch to a car-free lifestyle. We have to think about investing because we're investing back in the people. Because if we can help families move from a two-car household to a one-car household, then we're lowering their costs $10,000 per year. That's how much you spend per car in your household. And you think about how much that could do for families in terms of making ends meet or college funds or can I add to that? We just Please. we just did an origin destination survey, which we have to do every few years, but it really tells us a lot about who our riders are. The one that we just completed showed that 54% of our riders have a household, not an individual, a household income of $25,000 a year or less. So when you think about putting $10,000 a year into transportation, you're not able to put food on the table. Thank you're, you. you're not able to actually make the choices to use transit for anything other than to get to work in a and back. And sometimes the only money you have to, to, to ride is the money you put in the fare box that day. You can't get a monthly pass. Mm-hmm. So really putting some more investment in having more frequency, getting some more money into transit to help support that is really essential to supporting and building the prosperity of our communities. There are two bills in our state legislature right now that can help support that. And we're very excited about them. House Bill 1541, House Bill 1414. 1414 has a Senate side. I don't remember the number of that one, though. SB 890. Thank you. This is my day job. That's right. <laughs> okay. There you go. And I, they're thank you, Brain. They are. They're both. It's very exciting because the House Bill 1414 is going to allow us to have more money coming in from the state side. House Bill 1541 will allow us to have more money coming in on the regional side and allow us to start investing in some of those regional networks and supporting more frequency that will allow people to have those connections and use transit for meaningful purposes of connecting their lives. Yeah, I was getting ready to to interject there when you were saying that, Wyatt. You know, we're talking about having a a family reduce their two to three car load down to be able to use, yeah, burden to be able to use public transit. But we also have to think about those would be choice riders, the ridership that exists out of pure necessity that don't own cars already. That was probably what drove quite a bit of the contention with the Pulse system and some of the things that just had to change with the Pulse coming. And so we had regular neighborhood routes in predominantly black neighborhoods in Northside, especially coming through. Bolton. Yes. That were changed. Outside. Cut off. Yep. Some routes, some stops were totally diminished because of that. And so you had riders that out of pure necessity take the bus because they don't own a car, much less can worry about saving $10,000 that they didn't have in the first place to take transit as a choice rider. Mm -hmm. They can barely afford to ride anyway. And then they had their routes kind of changed. And so, yeah, we do have a lot to still work on. And so while we're talking about investments and where we can spend money, the pulse, and that's one of the negative contentions 
connections with a lot of the pulse that certain neighborhoods definitely have and voice their opinion on in Richmond. Mm -hmm. What's the plan for Richmond for North and South? North South Pulse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Um, what's yeah. What's coming? I will add one thing first. I don't like the term choice riders because I think mm -hmm. that's I really agree. a derogatory perspective on transit because everyone has a choice. People will ask friends for rides. They will just not take the trip. We can't think about people being grouped into choice riders versus people who are necessities because then we start to think about those people who don't have cars who do tend to rely more on public transit as if they don't have a choice. And I think that's that's a terminology I just want to remove from the it's, conversation. I, agree with I can that. see that the terminology is bad, but I like to call them car dependent people. And, and yeah, I, and I feel very sad yeah. for car dependent people. I actually am one of them. It's it's awful to not have the option to use transit when mm -hmm. you're able to. But for the people who need it, what you're talking about as mm -hmm. far as the coverage and the frequency of service mm -hmm. across the region is something that we need to look at every day when we look at transit. Mm -hmm. When we have a limited amount of money to spend on putting transit on the road, we have to look at the balance between the coverage of where it goes. Mm -hmm. And the frequency of where it goes. We talked about earlier that when you have a higher frequency, you have better options and people able to use it more and they're more able to right. stay on it. But you balance that against the, the geographic coverage of where transit goes. And there are some areas that just doesn't make sense to run a bus. And some of those areas, because they're more suburban in nature, mm -hmm. are, are areas that you need a bus because of the communities there. What we're going to look at over the next year and looking at it across the country are how you can use microtransit, how you can use bike shares, how you can use zip cards, how you can use mm -hmm. Uber's lifts, micro mobility to connect people to the transit lines. Don't know exactly what that looks like. I know they were looking at it in Nashville. There were some pilots going on there, mm -hmm. and I'm very excited to see what comes out of it. But it's a way to try and get connectivity in areas where it doesn't make sense economically to run a bus, but you have the social need. Mm -hmm. And how do we how do we make those connections happen? Yeah. I think a lot of people at Richmond 300 also are thinking about this too, the master planning process. Yeah. When there are those windy streets where you can't get, you know, you could live down close in like the ninth city council district mm -hmm. and you know you're not really that far from the end of one of the transit lines but the thing that's keeping you away is a huge brush uh, because the of the cul-de-sac and there's no grid and they're looking there are at no sidewalks. no sidewalks it's a 20 minute no walk just to get to a main street exactly and then when you get there there's no um bus shelter you, there's no bench there's no, bench, there's no, no lighting right. trash can yeah. none of those things and yeah. as closer to those windy streets that we talk about where it's hard to have frequent coverage because of the very like physics of moving the bus through those like outer ends especially mm -hmm. where the 1970 annex is you know you need a grid down there too mm -hmm. because then you can just turn up that frequency when the funding comes through and the means come through. Mm -hmm. And that's where you, you, one of the challenges that's so frustrating being in transit is that you see those places that have that prosperity and that economic investment from the business community tend to have more service and they ha tend to have more amenities in them. And there's and, and it's frustrating for the, the communities that are underserved, that, that have that lack of infrastructure. When you have the investment from the business community, you can ask them to put in more money, to put mm. in the sidewalks, to put in the shelters, and they put that in. So while they're investing, it's there. And then people who are coming from other areas that are less invested, they're also getting the benefit of it because that's where they're working. It's high quality jobs that they can have access to. But it, it doesn't minimize the fact that we have to put more investment into some of our underserved communities to balance that out. And that will usually come at the back of the government and the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's very hard when you start looking at the general funds. Do you mm -hmm. put that money into schools? Do you put it into fire? Do you put it into transit? How do you balance that? All the areas are in need. Yes. All of the above are yes, in need. Yes, they really are. And I, why I agree those terms are not they're not great but i get what you're saying many, yeah for many of the families that were affected in um in that period they didn't have a choice yeah legit and it's it's rough we have a group of people that come around and kind of collect cars from the dealerships that are in Northside, and a group of us will get together to kind of give a car to different organizations um and i know mike does it mike jones um council person mike jones does yes. it in his district through his church to give a car to different places because some of these areas like you described don't have bus coverage or they lost bus coverage or you just think about taking the bus as a single mother with five kids to go get groceries and you live in a food desert so you're getting on the bus with all your children going god knows how far to get groceries then 
how do you, I mean, are you attaching the kids to what, your back? Yeah. To right. keep them from running across the yeah, street how are you? with all of your stuff? How are we addressing that sort of thing, too? Yeah, it's rough. It's rough on some people. Because you have to put everything in your lap. You do. It's it rough. It is. And, and if you have um, more than one child and you have a stroller to take them out of the stroller, where do you put the stroller? Because it's supposed to be in your personal space. These are right. real challenges. When you're using transit and you have multiple children, how do you use it? And, and a lot of times what you see is people will just, they won't. They'll have to find some other way to do it. Um, when we talk about the balance of what do we do with strollers, we look at, uh, God, it's a horrible way to look at a child in a stroller, but they become almost like projectiles on a bus. If there's if something happens and the bus stops and that child is still in the stroller. It's going to fly. It's going to fly. So yeah. the safety of the passengers is safety of the child, but then the convenience of the people using the bus to be actually be able to access it when they have children. How do you balance those considerations? Yeah. And we, we struggle with those policy decisions every day to try and find a way to keep the system safe and accessible for as many users as possible. While we're on that, last year around this time, um, we had a local activist come on. Amari al-Qaddafi filed a federal civil rights complaint yeah. against GRTC, alleging the changes in the routes made it very difficult or sometimes impossible for residents of low-income, predominantly black neighborhoods to be able to access the bus system, which was a little bit about what we were talking about earlier because of different hills, and he actually named specific spots on the route that he dealt with. Where do y'all stand on this complaint? And we know that the analysis didn't really find any necessary complaints, but Al-Qaddafi says that the info was flawed. What, and you kind of answered that question, you know, it's got to come, money's got to come from somewhere. What can transit do to kind of, even in PR, yeah. you know, what no, can the, you do to, yeah, to where are we at with this? Yeah, there's a lot that we complaint. can do with that. That complaint itself is, um, that was before I came on and right. we, we talked about it a little bit. I know that it's been submitted to the Federal Transit Administration and so it, it's with them for the moment. So I don't have a, until they get back to us, I don't know where that stands. But I can tell you what we're doing now at moving forward with transit. When I got to GRTC, we were working on putting together a better budget. How do we spend our money? Where do we make those investments? And how do we decide where to invest? We have an operational budget that right now is a baseline. So it, what can we continue to do and be more effective with the money we have now? And then talking to our city partners and our county partners about the best place to put more frequent service, to put more geographic coverage, and where do they want to see that? So we're looking for investments for next year right now. But we're also looking at putting together a multi-year capital plan. So this is where we're going to actually put more infrastructure. And how do we prioritize where we put those capital dollars? We have a, a seven prioritization categories that we're doing. And I'll go through this really quickly and then say some of the things that we're doing with it. But the first is that the first place we put money is, and we have a budget next year of around $25 million for our capital. It's a $87, 85000000 million over three years uh, investment that we're looking at. Specifically, when we look to prioritize, we're looking at safety first. If it's required for safety, if it's required for the training of our operators, if it's required by the law, that gets money first. Uh, the next thing is that if it's a project that's almost that we've already prioritized and we're halfway through, three quarters of the way through, and we just need that final bit of funding to finish it, that's going to get funded because otherwise we've wasted that money. The next one is preventative maintenance. And there's a lot of our money that we have for capital needs that we put into our operating budget to, pre to have what's called preventative maintenance to take care of our buses, take care of our assets. We put a, probably about $9 million a year of our federal money from capital into our operating budget to take care of that preventative maintenance. That's money that we can't spend to replace our buses, but we put that in there to help subsidize and to keep the service that we have now on the streets. The next one we do is state of good repair. So that's where we actually have more the, the roof replacement, the bus replacement, keeping our assets that we have now looking good and in good repair. A bus can last for about 12 years before we have to replace it a van can last five to seven years before you have to replace it. Mm -hmm. So that means when you have 160 buses every year, Yikes. you're buying a lot of buses. Yeah. And buses that cost $500,000 to $600,000 each, yeah. you have to have that investment or else your buses just become pieces of crap. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I self-monitored my... You don't right have there. to. Okay. Pieces of shit. There We're you go. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we have good. So that was state of good repair. And then we have three more places where we put our capital. I find this stuff in, it, very exciting. I know it's not as exciting for everyone else, but I... No. I just, like, I, we I need to hear it. I Richmond needs to hear yeah. it. Come on, girl. Y'all glittery when I think about Give this stuff. The next is how can we become more effective? So we have the money we put out there, but can we use it more effectively? Can we spread it further to do better business decisions? Is Are there things that we're, we're spending time that if we have maybe this one piece of computer software to communicate more effectively, mm. it saves st staff time. Time, yeah. little investment here for long-term savings. So right. that's number five. Six is... I wasn't keeping count. I, I just want to let you I know do. that I was. <laughs> I was. You should, because there are seven. So 
sixth one is, um, this one's pretty exciting. This is where we actually put the enhancements out for the, the benefit of the rider. So we've kept everything in a good repair. We're keeping everything effective. Now, improvements for our riders. Having more shelters, more benches, more communication tools, those things that actually enhance the experience of our riders and our system as it currently exists. And then finally, number seven is how do we expand? How do we start studying and laying the, the framework and the foundation for where the system needs to go tomorrow, next year, 20, 30 years? And that's the priority that we do. Uh, we put things in, and very little money is actually right now being invested into expansion. The majority of our funding goes into state of good repair, mm -hmm. preventative maintenance, and then what we have left will go usually into amenities. Next year, we're putting close to a million dollars or more into shelters around the around Richmond. Awesome. And, uh, and yes. Thank you. Lord, please. I hope they're going in the please. ninth. Well, there's the eighth a, and the ninth. There are, there, a lot of them have been prioritized based on uh, the areas that have the highest ridership, mm -hmm. but they're also being prioritized based on when we have, like, for example, Bon Secours has been a partner. They have given us grant funding. So when we have our partners in our community come and provide that funding, we can put more out. So what Funds. you're saying is you want me to go call Rosie's <laughs> and go tell Rosie's to be a partner to get yeah. some bus shelters. That's what you're saying? recently moved okay, one cool. of our bus stops closer to Rosie's because more of their staff and, and guests yep. are taking the bus. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And yeah. the Bon Secours ones, correct me if I'm wrong, are going in like the east end as okay. well. All right. So y'all be getting a call from me, Rosie's. Wonderful. Yeah, I will add around the coverage and frequency. I, I think we really need more of both. When I was down in Norfolk yesterday doing this exercise to try and re-envision what their transit routes are going to look like, it's the same thing that happened in Richmond a couple years ago. And to do it, they gave us a bunch of string. And we had red string, which meant a bus comes every 15 minutes, blue string, a bus comes every 30 minutes, and green string, which meant a bus comes every 60 minutes. And we had like to lay it out to figure out how we're going to provide service in this fictitious city they had. When the consultant was giving us this string, he said, yeah, this is the amount you get. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but when we do this exercise with Canadian cities, we give out two to three times as much string because that just represents the higher level of funding they have nice. there. When we did this recently in Ireland and for any other European cities, we give out four to five times as much string because hmm. yeah, they take the bus. there's just money. So I think when we think about the problems, I mean, so much of the problem I see in Richmond where people are fighting over frequency versus coverage, are we serving choice riders? Are we serving people that mm -hmm. do rely on the bus? We end up fighting each other yep. and who we should be fighting is with our local city council, with mm -hmm. board of supervisors. Mm -hmm. We need to be talking to the people who are making funding allocation because GRTC, as you heard, has this seven step process of how they're gonna spend their money wisely, but you can only do so much with $1 versus $10. You run out around step three or four. Right. right. You uh. can spend money as smart as you want, but if you only have 100 bucks, it is not going to go that far. Mm -hmm. So we really need to think if we are a city that is serious about mobility, and I mean people getting around, but also upward mobility. Mm -hmm. Because how are we going to be helping people? Like if you work during the day, how do we help someone get to a community college after work or go to take classes at VCU where you are? How are we gonna take people all the way down to John Tyler with this new route down in Chesterfield? Like we really need to make sure that we're thinking about mobility as an investment because we will reap that reward in terms of human capital and you know people being able to expand what they can do with their lives because they do have that freedom to get around. Not to mention climate change. If you haven't noticed, one whole continent's on fire. Um, <laughs> to kind of circle back to the climate change thing too, just kind of being like the Gen Z cusper or whatever you want to call me in the room. How uh, old are you, Adam? I'm 21. So. <laughs> wow. As of a week, y'all. <laughs> oh my god. It's no big deal. Um, Give for that fake ID anymore. <laughs> we'll be sending this to my mother. Thanks, Wyatt. Um, <laughs> You're legal now. Who cares? Right. But I'm I'm the generation that's like living, being like, ah, everything's on fire. Please uh, help. Please help us. Help. Yeah. Literally and Australia. Moving to yes. Richmond, I don't have a car. I don't want a car because on my conscience, I can't like do that in mm -hmm. like good faith that like I'll be, it'll be fine because someone else will take care of it because they're not taking care of it. So I feel responsible to take care of it. And you have, we're growing as a city. VCU is a whole city in itself. There's all these people that now have activation to this bus through their past program and all that. Staff, student, and faculty get a free pass. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's changing people's attitudes. Like they grow up in Northern Virginia, they know about Metro, but when they get to Richmond, they need to learn how to take the pulse. They need to learn how to take a local route to get to where they need to go. Cause they don't want cars. They can't have cars. They can't afford a car. Mm -hmm. um, you got to wear to park in nowhere. Yeah. 
And then just overall, we're just so concerned about climate change. And Carrie worked in meteorology, why it does all this advocacy and lobbying. And Julie just knows from the um, environmental impact statement. Mm -hmm. And I'm here being like, I grew up on a world that was kind of given to me like a bowl of mush. And we have to make (laughs) the best of it. So I think we all just have that common thread, like Wyatt was saying. Playing off of that, since we're talking about, you know, community involvement and folks your age getting involved, too, especially in planning. Absolutely. You know, what's the um, transit advisory group's role in policy and planning for GRTC? And what do you see yourself doing in the future? Mr. Vice Chair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mr. Vice Chair um, would say, uh, I think the the TAG, especially this new um, group that we got together, has um, a, a very diverse face to it, not only with who is sitting at the table, but their backgrounds as well. Um, we do have an incredible urban planning master student, I believe, Taylor Jenkins. She loves this data on you know anything that has to do with urban planning, especially with transit. And I think the tag itself, though we can't like change anything, we're not going to like approve Julie's budget. We're completely or... advisory. That's what the A is for. In Absolutely. The tag. Yeah, I think. The fact that we can have this group in this setting, I don't know of any kind of transit advisory group that Philadelphia has or that Hamptons Roads may have or may not have. The fact that we get to be in this room and hear about these things and then go out and be good stewards of the system, whether those people be young professionals, people that have that story of giving up one of their family cars like our chair has, I think it gives GRTC seven to nine really good advocates who are all writers of the system. We're not trying to stop anything. We're trying to get the latest news so we can go and tell people how great the system's going to get. And so we can share what's going on with the system as writers. Absolutely. Um, The input that they give is, uh, in my time at GRTC, has been so helpful and we are able to take action on on things pretty quickly because of what what they share with us it's probably my favorite day of each quarter is when i get to go to tag not gonna lie Um, oh i love it so it's your civic engagement yes yeah and then all the other um narrative i guess again around young people just getting involved like we're in the capital city there are vcu students vuu students ur students going down to the GA to advocate for different things, climate change included, transportation included, because they may not be able to afford cars like when they leave school. All these different aspects of being in Richmond with this exciting new system and being able to be civically engaged because it is literally right there is like one of the most rewarding things. And I will say I'm also on the tag. I just joined. I'm a, a newbie to the group. but <laughs> Add another little feather and cat there, sir. Man, you're running out of space what on your hat. Do? Um, <laughs> and we've had a couple meetings. I've only been to, um, we've only had two meetings as long as I've been part. And so often we hear from people who come from the public and it's great. It's great to have that energy and people who are sharing their real lived experience on the system. But so often we have this great GRTC staff who's here to listen and the problem is really one for the city. It's a problem of I miss my bus because the sidewalk wasn't good enough to get me across the street or there was no sidewalk Mm. to get to my bus stop or the light doesn't change in a timely manner. Like we have to start also thinking about how we get people to the bus. I mean, I think Councilmember Mike Jones is really great about this when he thinks about the South Side. Like this is a suburban former part of Chesterfield and we know how they develop in Chesterfield feel melissa it's not with people in mind it's with cars in mind correct and i think we have to really start to invest in getting people around (laughs) and giving people sidewalks to go places because so many of the complaints that i as a tag member i i hear i my heart really goes out to people who i know this is their struggle every morning and every evening when they're going to and from work It, it sounds like a lot to be an activist or an advocate they're fancy titles but it's really easy to do. Just send your council member, send your board of county supervisor an email and say, hey, I had this problem trying to get to the bus or I would love if a bus came out to my community. Um, I live way out in Chester, where I'm from, and I'm so excited about the Route 111 coming to Chesterfield. I was about to say, where are we going with that? Where are we going in Chesterfield? We've got Henrico a little bit on board now, heading out to Short Pump. I mean, is there any chance of expansion of routes there? I mean, really, we need to get up into Chesterfield a whole lot. Carrie can tell you a lot about the Route 111. Chesterfield went after a state grant so that they could establish bus service, local bus service, not express, not a hybrid, Uh actual local bus service on Route 1, which is also known as Jefferson Davis Highway. And this local bus service 
is going to run between the Foo Line and North Chesterfield, which is where the cities 3B and C currently stop on Southside. Right. And it will match up there every 30 minutes the so they have the same frequency mm-hmm. down on south side so it'll be easy for people to connect to and from mm-hmm. the city routes it's also the same fare structure which is a big thing yeah because then if you have a day pass you can keep using it to go south into chesterfield or vice versa right. north into the city it will go all the way to john tyler community college in chester monday through saturday uh, weekdays will start service just after 5 a.m and go until 7 p.m and then on saturdays it's from 7 to 7 no Sunday service yet, but this is the very first time. Yes, beginning. Yeah. Right, that we've had service here. This is a demonstration grant, which is fancy talk from the state for, okay, county. Let's try it. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's try it. Mm-hmm. County, you have a couple of years to take this money, work with your transportation provider and your locality to find out how you're going to sustain this long term and what does it look like. Mm-hmm. And county staff are already going after, well, what's the bridge funding that we use after the state grant runs Ends, out yeah. so that we can transition to a sustainable local funding source mm-hmm. for this route. But this route, I think it's really important because this is going to be a very different local route than any of our other routes. Uh, specifically in this part of Chesterfield, you have a very high concentration of Spanish-speaking residents. Uh, on the north end, it's I think as high as like 45, 46% are limited mm-hmm. English mm-hmm. proficiency specifically yeah. to Spanish. So you're going to be seeing advertisements from us that are in Spanish Awesome. As well as English on TV, on cable, on radio Poder. Mm-hmm. Right, Radio Poder, which is a trusted local community radio station mm-hmm. that serves the Greater Richmond area, and they're active in Chester. Think about Park. slipping us a PSA. <laughs> yep. And how about bus drivers? We are hiring aggressively. Yes, we are. And we've we've actually talked about having some language labs for our operators so they can help learn Spanish for those who don't know it yet. But we we're, we're in a good position where we do have a a good number of drivers. Uh, unlike some systems across the country that have a deficit in the number of drivers, we have not that issue. We have excellent drivers. They're excited to ride on it. They are excited to, to start that service. I've had a lot of people say we want more service in Chesterfield. We want more connectivity, and we look forward to it. But the key is is that people have to go out and ride it. We have to get people to ride it. If it's not ridden, you it, lose it. You lose it. That's right. Yeah. And that's that's the case for any of our transit lines. You yeah. have to ride it or else it's at risk of going So wrong. really, communication is key here. That's why, in this instance, we have to speak in both languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. To get people to write it, yeah. Correct. There's two important details I might throw in here. Um, first of all, everyone's always concerned about park and ride. Mm-hmm. Route one's not incredibly accessible down there. I believe the parking lot of John Tyler Community College is offering some of their parking spaces as like an unofficial park and ride down there. Park and ride, awesome. And you do have to transfer if you want to come all the way up to the city at the 3B at the Food Lion Mm -hmm. and the average transfer time, the time for you to wait between the 111 arriving and the 3B to take you back north is about seven minutes. Awesome. Um, Which is something that having two separate buses with two separate schedules aligning, you have that freedom to do. Okay, while we're on it, since we're talking about the transfer center, the transfer station or the transfer center right now that we have in Richmond is in a rough area. Oh, man. Ninth Street. Uh, Thumbs down is not a strong enough emoji (laughs) for this. (laughs) And the fact that it's at um, the public safety building that has chunks falling off of it. I was going to say, that's deteriorating before our eyes. Brain explosion emoji. That is actually a good one. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I was it's thinking a of the emoji that looks like the drunk face where you're like, yeah. got the whole yeah. squiggle mouth. That's how I feel. That's, Maybe 10 of yeah. those. Oh, That's man. it. Yeah. It's a it's a lot. You had a brand new transfer station that was proposed in this Navy Hill project mm-hmm. yes. that seemingly is like dead, undead, almost dead, well, I, I, walking the, zombie. I don't know. And I, I think it's. It. Regardless of whether or not what happens with the Navy Hill development, I mean, that, that, that is its own separate issue. Right. We absolutely have to have a downtown transfer center, whether it's right. in Navy Hill or elsewhere. Ninth uh, Street actually is a really good location. I know that when I first got here four months ago, people were like, is Ninth Street the right one? Mm-hmm. That's being forced on GRTC. That's not the right place. It's too big. It's too far away. It doesn't connect to the pulse. It's too, it's, honestly, I, I wasn't sure when I first got here, but the more I look at it, the more I think it is a great location. There are other great locations downtown um, that we can consider. Ninth Street will work. It'll work really well for connections, for regional mobility, for access, for growth as it, it as VCU expands in that area. The size is right for the express routes and the local routes. It's a right location for a possible north-south connection of, of BRT. Not that far of a walk. 
okay. <laughs> to the current pulse station. We'd probably want to look at some some changes to the sidewalk so it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it is a spot that would work for us regardless of what happens with Navy Hill development. Still going to get the one. downtown transfer center is one that we still need to discuss with the city. How okay. can we make that work? There aren't any promises or guarantees, but it's one conversation we need to continue. 20 years without a transfer facility, a dignified, hmm. convenient, comfortable, humane, uh, humane. Yes, yes. Lord, that eight, part, lighted, that part, where yes. chunks aren't falling. That's right. Mm-hmm. It, it's too long. It, it's it's too long to be without one. And downtown and the the vibrancy and the investment that we want to see in downtown starts with treating our transit riders mm-hmm. in a dignified way as well. And we need that transfer center, regardless of Navy Hill. The transfer center itself is something we absolutely have to move forward with. I wish that the transfer center was by the eastbound government center full <laughs> stop instead of whatever. Parking yeah. decks going up for the GA, and the GA can walk from 9th Street. Well, I switch agree. Switch positions, but. There, it would be great. You know, <laughs> I, I talk a lot about unicorns and rainbows, and if I had a perfect world where I'd like things to be. But we don't have that here. Uh, we have to look at not what's perfect, but what's really good. Because if we wait for perfect, it's going to be another 20 years before we find a place. Yeah, <laughs> and I think the redevelopment of the transfer center would be clutch if we start to think about having a regional park and ride system. It would be clutch. Yes. I, I'm too old. What does that mean? Oh, it's, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Great. Feature friends. <laughs> Like it's like clutch is like Key. your favorite sweater. Okay, your favorite vital. thing. Like, yeah, it's sometimes like your it's vital. vital. Yes. Okay, I probably can't use Perfect. that. My son will look at me and say, "No, you can't say that." You can use it. Go <laughs> ahead. Your fifteen-year-old you son it. will be like, "Oh my god, mom!" I know. My but make sure you use it right, because like clutch is like just don't trip over it's it. When it's you your say thing. It. You, you have to use it confidently. I knew Carrie thing. would know. Okay. Carrie's hip. She's so, on that social yeah. media. <laughs> Center is clutch. The yes, transfer center clutch. would be especially clutch if we start thinking <laughs> yes. about doing park and rides around the region. Mm-hmm. It's got to be park yeah. and ride. I was going to say, I, I think yeah. on the day that we chose to do our RVA dirt ride, Carrie was like, Don't you park over there in that parking lot? <laughs> 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 so we're like, I'm going to go over to this neighborhood. Yes, they was, were. Yeah. They were towing. But and I was like, Thank you for talking. ride would be just phenomenal. have been trying. We have been trying since. I think 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. trying to find property. Some of the sell, some of the people who own property do not want to sell to us when they find out it's us. Mm-hmm. See, that's a really big issue for me. I, I had a conversation recently, and it, it reflects conversations I had in Nashville and conversations I've had in HRT. When people think about a transfer center, they think about 9th Street, regardless of, of where you are across the country. Yeah. That's what they think of when they think of transit. They and think it's of that what's way because now. it's bad, and we're trying to not do that. That's right. So when I talk to people about visioning what transit could be in a transfer center, like, oh, well, we want it. We just don't want it here because there's a better use for this property. We could do more mm. with it. There's I'm no like, better use. Think about Main <sighs> Street Station, about how beautiful that is. Think mm-hmm. about Grand Central Station. Think about ways that we can have connections that are truly not just dignified, but truly a destination that tourists, locals, businesses, would like. Yeah. everyone can use. And if we can get people to stop thinking about 9th Street as what we're trying to build. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're not trying to build another Ninth Street. Yeah, we're I've had that conversation. Amazing. Yeah, I've had that conversation with people, and they always ask me, "What is the transfer station going to look like?" And I was like, "I mean, we're are, we are in Virginia. Yeah. Like, I would settle, and I don't. We shouldn't settle, but I would settle if we had like legit what it looks like when you pull off the interstate and you get a rest stop area. Oh, just a rest stop. Yeah, it doesn't have to be plated. It could that, be really good. I was going to say yeah. that would be a major improvement to what we have. Sadly, like, that's a step up. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be huge no. thing, it right? It doesn't have to be glorious. No, but it, it could. doesn't have. But it, but could, it could be. be. The, the point is, is that when we're starting to envision what it could be, mm-hmm. we have to start thinking about what it used to be. And yeah. also, I think, I mean, we have, you know, we have these like food court kind of things. That sounds like a mall, but you know what I mean? Where it's like a food hall and these are like so hip and all these cities are doing them and you have all these local restaurants that are setting up spots and it's like the place to go downtown to grab food. There's no reason that we can't think about aligning such amenities with a mm-hmm. transfer center because mm-hmm. that's a perfect place for businesses if we had a food hall and the GRTC transfer center you could get off in the morning you can grab your cup of coffee as you start walking to wherever you're going and vibrance yep and it would bring in a bunch of people and I mean anyone who works downtown knows that there's just no good food options I was going to say there's no restaurants there's There's just nothing certain stuff yeah and having that level of stop and grab some anything to take home with you and having that traffic not just for people who are there to wait for their bus but people who are there to grab a bike to eat yeah. it'll just really bring the space alive and that and means it's going with your community yes. yes it really is you're going to bring people of all different walks of life into the same place so like yeah. you might have this office worker who's still going to drive everywhere but they're down there grabbing a sandwich at lunch and they're going to 
something might not. to the person. Yeah, but they might not. They might be like, damn, this is kind of convenient. Like, I'll get my sandwich and get my ass on the bus. Yeah. How about that? That is a motto for that? 2020. Get your sandwich and get your ass on the bus. <laughs> on yes, the bus. Thank you. Get like your that. sandwich, ass on okay. the bus. Yeah, there we, we go. Song. Carrie, we're going with it. That's, that's it. That's, that's, that's your yes. campaign. Yes. Get you a sandwich get and get you your ass on the bus. Eagle. Yes. I like it. I'll send you my I'll send you my invoice. We need to do a GRTC, like a BLT somehow. I don't know what the ingredients are gonna be. Wow. That is the sandwich special at the new transfer center that we're imagining the brt blt brt blt i like it gonna get your stomach pulsing oh i was gonna say i ruined it one step too far let's take let's let's give you guys a moment to just kind of give your final thoughts where you see transit going um this year dreams yes dreams and (laughs) dreams and aspirations maybe any exciting things that we can expect on the way this year and how they can help in this process and interact with you guys to make their line better or just maybe shout you guys out because maybe they've their line has gotten better and they want to say hi like Um, a minute each and also your social media yeah however people people can can contact contact you you. okay um i'll go first then um so for 2020 um my big thing being on tag is increasing rider confidence um whether that you know you need a bench so that you can wait at your stop for as long as you need to you need um make sure that the bus number that's not on the stop blade is reinstalled so you know that your bus is going to stop there anything to improve your overall experience i like to hear about those things because if it's happening at one bus stop or with one rider it's probably happening at another so that's kind of my whole uh shtick for 2020 um my social media <laughs> and don't you have a student transit oh, collective yeah he's perhaps? like mouthing things at me and yeah. i can't however, quite read them however yeah you, do um, you don't want to give people your personal stuff yeah you know? that's all good they're gonna find it no matter what because i'm just loud um <laughs> <laughs> can relate yeah. yes um so at vcu is where we are organizing right now but this year it was born out of like an english paper i wrote it's called the student transit collective awesome. um it is the urban planning people the bike people the environmental science people. It's a Twitter handle. It's a Twitter handle. Okay. It's at, at transit underscore student. Yes. It, it, Twitter gave us a really nice default one. Okay. Um, and it's just people that want to come together to have robust infrastructure, whether that be bike lanes, buses, bike share, all that good stuff, because you know we want it because we're here and that's what we rely on as students, um, grad students, undergrad interested high schoolers i've always like left that open too because you know there's some amazing young people even younger yeah. than i am doing advocacy things that i didn't think i could do at that age yes um and so, anyone yeah. 18 and under can get a free grtc pass with parental consent yep yes sure can yep if they're an rps student i believe yes, yes. They did that yeah great yes high sure school did. students yeah. yeah okay high school students so yeah at transit underscore student sometimes there's tweets out of there my personal is at Adam Lockett says, um, it says GRTC tag in my bio in case you didn't think you found the right one. That's okay. So I, I'm not going to say too much because I'll, I'll leave little teasers out there. You might invite me back and we can talk. About uh-huh. it. This has been so <laughs> much will. fun. This has sure. been amazing. Good. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. It really yourself. has. So we're looking at some of the capacity issues we're having on the pulse and whether or not we might want to buy some what's called an articulated bus or 60 foot buses to so that we're not leaving people on the platform oh wow that, it's going to take some time to get those because they have to actually make them it's not like a oh yeah they're not cheap they're not it's gonna cheap, take some money and they actually have to build them when you order them oh wow it's not wow. like going to a lot order and nice yeah, all buses bus. are. Custa, yeah, yeah. Bentley, they are. <laughs> so we have that coming up put that that's a lyric okay that's in my song <laughs> i got it got it we're working on dedicated funding at the regional level uh, to be able to make those investments in the region and to pull partnerships across the, the regional border to really decide where those go. So you'll see some activity and some conversations about deciding what regional transit should be and what it could be and how do we invest. And we'll also be having conversations about our fare structure yeah. and how to streamline that because our fare structure and how the affordability of it currently uh, sits, it just needs to be addressed. And so we'll be working on that this year, too. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm new to Twitter, by the way. Yeah. Yay. I have been having fun with it. Um, We're new followers. Of are you? Yes. I Actually, I think I, I liked y'all or followed you. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I see you. I'm new to She's Twitter. a new user. I am That's a new okay. user. That's okay. You'll get it. You'll get the hang of it. They're, they're, they're watching me very closely to see whether or not I'm like, you know, how is she? <laughs> I haven't had to intervene yet. <laughs> but she changed the password on I me. Did. Yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> so I'm right. locked out. They gave it to me and then I changed the password because I couldn't figure out how to use it. So I had to- <laughs> 
She did so. change her name, though, from TRTC's new CEO, Julie Tim. And now it's just Julie Tim because we all should know by now. Right? Oh, yeah. okay. What's up? It's great. I, uh, if you it. didn't know yeah. before, now you now know. You know. Yeah, so find me on Twitter. I'm trying to. to at GOTC underscore CEO. That's it. That's yeah. me. So if you can find me there, I don't respond to everything, but I try and respond to most things. Okay. Uh, people have asked me to come out in the system and uh, and then been surprised when I've shown up on their doorstep. Uh, the museum go. was like that. So, yeah. Good. Oh. To be Jeremy Hoffman was shook. He was, yes. <laughs> oh, I might ask him about that because he'll be here in two weeks. Oh, yeah. good. Awesome. Well, Julie's doing a great job so oh, far with the Twitter, you. and uh, <laughs> she does ride the bus, and I think that that's important for people yeah. to know that Julie is getting out there and riding, and, and I do the same. I rode here today. I think it's important awesome. for those of us who, who work in transit who aren't like the operators and the supervisors mm-hmm. who are out there all the time living. We have to get out of the administrative building and really see what's happening. For this year, my big effort is with communication. I know, spoiler alert, I'm the director of communications, and I'm uh, communication. Right. But for me, and, and it's funny because on the weekends, I will sigh frustratedly at home. So the things that make me sigh frustratedly, it's things that I haven't been able to solve yet. And it could be because we haven't had funding to activate a new type of real-time tracking. Mm -hmm. Or I haven't had the staff available yet to be in what's our radio room. It's kind of like air traffic control, but for buses. Mm -hmm. To hear what's happening in real time and then communicate it to the customers in real time. These are all the things that as a writer myself and working on the other side of customer service, frustrate me and I'm really excited because Julie is all about how can we make the experience better for the customer and so I know that she's got my back and we're going to be working through the year to keep making incremental improvements and how we make the experience on the street better for our customers that they can trust the information that they're looking at on the app when they see a bus is coming are we really going to be there because just like julie i was at ninth and broad at night waited for an hour for a bus that i was tracking and would just disappear because it was on detour we've all been there but i didn't know it the was aliens on took it yeah so that's the kind of stuff that i want to really get to the bottom of and it's not just me it's going to be our whole team and Next. other departments outside of me who are way smarter with technology and figuring out how to to resolve these issues next board meeting we're going to, on the agenda is, I, I use this acronym, I don't even know what it means, GTFSRT. Mm. I know, What right? is that? Adam. Tracking, wait. Global G- Transit. Transit. Feed. feed service. And real time. Yeah. Real time. Yeah. Okay. I got, I got GIS mixed up in my head a little bit. Yeah, that was a lot. Excuse me. But basically, it's that that system that people have been asking for on Twitter that helps to show where our buses are in real time. That's awesome. Okay. And how do we get in touch with you on social media? Well, I am one of the customer service folks that are helping man our Twitter account. Cool. So So GRTC Transit. All right. Uh, Me personally, it's my name, Carrie Rose Pace. Last but not least, you can... not birthday boy. Thank you. Um, you can follow my regular coverage with Greater Greater Washington. I try and get a lot of stuff about what's going on with GRTC in there. I am really excited to be wrapping up GRTC Connects with RVA Mag. I'm going to do the grand finale this year. This was kind of like a love letter to my hometown. Ride the bus with Wyatt. I rode the bus with Wyatt. Yeah, we had a blast. Yeah. Adam was on the four. Melissa was on the two. I think I'm going to do a public call out on Twitter. The Pulse is going to be the grand finale. Yeah. So I want to share with all of my Twitter friends, I'm going to set up a day and we're going to ride the pulse together from Rockets Landing to Scott's Edition. And we're going to talk about what the BRT means, what that mobility looks like, how this is a reflection of how Richmond is developing and how we could be doing it better. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. Um, Adam and I have been working with the great people at the American Planning Association chapter here in Richmond, also Gallery 5, and we're going to be doing a series of transit talks throughout the year. So every three months, you're going to have a talk that you can come out to Gallery 5, you can have some drinks, and we're going to do it World Cafe style so people can sit down at tables and you can have more intimate less formal conversations than a panel, and you can learn a bunch of different perspectives. We're going to be starting off with fare evasion. We're looking at doing things around amenities, around transfer fees, around what free transit could look like. We just want to build a bunch of excitement and engagement from the community in this. And you can also catch me fighting for more transit funding. The current regional transit funding bill only has 15% for GRTC, and we need to be aspirational. We should be aiming much higher than that, 35%. So you'll find me talking to every legislator who will listen. Get them. 
He's good like that. You get also, him, a lot of credit for Wyatt for putting all these transit talks together, getting people together. He's so good at getting people in a room together to make awesome things happen. Oh, yes. We are aware. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am a planner by trade. Yeah. I got my master's in it, and I will plan something. And I also, out of the last like decade of my life, I lived like nine of those years without a car, and I would like to keep it that way. And so anything that... I can do to try and make that freedom a possibility for other people. I'm really excited about, and you can follow my efforts at YIT Gordon on Twitter. All right. Well, listeners, we appreciate you joining us again this week for a mobilizing episode of RV Adults Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 o'clock on WRIR 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. Thank y'all so much for being with us today. It's going to be a good show. Hello, dirty ladies. (laughs) Yes, oh my God. Well, you guys, as always, Richmond, Flint still has dirty water, and now so does New Jersey. RPS is fully funded this year, but we need to start working on next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, to infinity and beyond. And you know it, Richmond is still racist, but we're working on it. Talk to you next week. Got the horn on the bus going beep, beep, beep. Got the horn on the bus going beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Ooh.